Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Well, good morning. It is really, really great to be here, to be back, and uh, like Pastor Jim said, to be home, really, because I do consider this a home away from home, and so... It's great to be here today, and I'm just smiling at people I haven't seen yet, and this is really great. Uh, don't make me nervous, guys. Um, today, today is a, a day really of uh, mysteries. As you, as you walked in, you, you got this, and it's really kind of a mystery what it's for. But first of all, if you're visiting for the first time, you don't know who I am, and uh, if, if, if I were Pastor Jim, I would have hurried back too for my vacation, because we're going to have a hippie freak up here preaching, <laughs> handing you out... Uh, something probably organic, you know, I would want to hurry back to, to, to make sure that, you know, that he's going to be in line today. And so I just want to fill you guys in on, on where we've been. Um, and I'll just go back. It's been about eight months since I've been here. I went back to Grace Bible College, finished up the semester. It's a pretty hard semester, getting ready for uh, licensing and all that. And I appreciate the prayers. I passed the licensing process and uh, got licensed as a, as a pastor with the Grace Gospel Fellowship. So uh, thank you for all your prayers, really. And then on from that, you know, greater things were happening because I went home after graduating and uh, got married to my beautiful wife. You want to stand up, Marty? No? Doesn't want to stand up? <laughs> anyway, so that was, that was totally a highlight. That was May 19. And then uh, uh, we came back to the States after our honeymoon, and we're, gonna, we're, we're actually working. I started uh, officially July 1st at, you know, you know Pat McGillicuddy. Married uh, Sarah, Pastor Jim's daughter, and Pastor Jim and Teresa's daughter. Um, working with them in their church, I'm the uh, associate or assistant pastor there. So I'm really excited about that. And it's great to work with him and work under him and learn from him. So that's really where we're at. We're going to be in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan for the next couple of years. But it's great to be out here. And uh, why are we here? That's a kind of another mystery. We wanted to come for the conference, but we couldn't do two trips. And my friend Zach Kemper got married uh, yesterday. So we came out for his wedding in Post Falls. And, and here we are. And I uh, got this privilege and this opportunity to share with you today, which brings me to uh, another mystery. Why did you get this? It's going to really be um, pertinent, or it's going to tie into the message today. And uh, I asked what you guys were doing, what your plan was for the summer, or for what your... It must be the summer, because I told you guys were in reading this, um, this week, Matthew 12 through 16. And so there's a lot of passages that could deal with this. We're going to get into one of them more specifically but it must be like through the summer, right? Because if you're reading the New Testament in a year, you probably wouldn't be in Matthew 12. Anyway, um, so it is really great to be here. And uh, so I'd like to open up a few mysteries for you. And, and Pastor Jim, I see the clock. It's not that I don't have one. It's that I'm on vacation and uh, I keep it on Eastern time. And, and I'm just going to relax and enjoy this break with all of you. But to open uh, the mystery for you today, it's not really that we have a type of uh, new Palm Sunday. You know, it's a Palm Sunday in August, wave the wheat or something like that. That's not what we're, that's not what we're doing here either. Um, but it will tie into the message today because we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13 talking about the kingdom of God. And if you see the title, I think it's in the bulletin, it's really a snapshot on the kingdom of heaven. And so that's what we're going to be at. If you'd like to open your Bible in Matthew chapter 13, we're going to look at a passage there. And you may have thought, oh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 13, that's the parable of the sower, so that makes sense. Well, you know, you've heard about, a lot about that one, and if you've gone to Sunday school, you've probably heard that message very many times. So we're not going to go on that one. We're going to look at another one in Matthew chapter 13, uh, verse 24. But if you consider the whole chapter, 
of Matthew 13. And some of your Bibles may even have a heading, the secrets are, or the mystery of the kingdom of heaven in this whole chapter. And really, it, it, it's astonishing and it's very interesting to come to this and be like, okay, the kingdom of heaven, it is a mystery. And the thing about mysteries is that they're not revealed or they're just becoming, they're just getting revealed. And so they were a mystery. And so Jesus is revealing in his parables part of this ministry, um, uh, of this mystery, actually, of what he's going through and the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And so, you know, actually, as I grew up, I had a little bit of a hesitancy about hearing the kingdom of heaven. Because uh, for me, when you talk about kingdom, kingdom of heaven, that meant the kingdom of Israel, the literal kingdom on the earth where the Israelites came and they had power and they had their authority. And it's what the Israelite nation, the Jews, are waiting for even right now. And so when I read a passage of Jesus talking about the kingdom of heaven, I see that that is for the nation of Israel. And so I had some hesitancy in, in, in looking at this passage and in opening it up with you today. But when we think about that, we really need to think about God's kingdom in general. And if you were to do a study of the kingdom, the word kingdom, um, throughout the Bible, you'll find that it, it, it goes with actual literal kingdoms that existed, like the kingdom of Assyria. But there are two main uses in the Bible. And the first one is that Israelite kingdom of heaven that pertains to the Israelites. And the other use of kingdom throughout the Bible, and I would encourage you to really study this out because it is intriguing and, and it gives you a lot of questions. But the other kingdom that we find in the Bible is the kingdom of God. And that, that is more relevant, speaking about God's entire overarching reign over everything, his sovereign rule. And so there's distinguishing factors when you talk about the kingdom. And today as we go into Matthew chapter 13, we're going to look at the kingdom of heaven, more specifically Jesus' parable about the, the kingdom of heaven for the nation of Israel. And so um, let's, let's get into this passage. Uh, but before we even get into this passage in the scripture, the scripture um, I would just like to begin in prayer that, you know, that, that, that God would guide us and that we could find the real message that is in this passage. So let's, let's just open in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this day, and I thank you for giving us your word and the privilege that it is to open it up today and to look into Jesus' teaching through parables, and uh, specifically one parable. Lord, I just pray that uh, even as we sang, open the eyes of our heart, Lord, that we could, we could understand this message, um, and it would allow us to, to know you better, to understand your Son, Jesus Christ, better, um, and even to understand uh, your future work uh, in this world and with the nation of Israel. And I just uh, ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're open to Matthew chapter 13, we're going to be in verse 24. And we are looking at parables, and, and if you were, were paying attention to the scripture reading, that was some reasons why Jesus spoke in parables, and we'll come back to that um, later on. But a parable really gives us one a picture, and I, I call it a snapshot of the kingdom of heaven because that's what we're going to look at. It's one picture, it's one aspect of the kingdom of heaven, and that's what we're going to look at today. Um, one part of the mysteries being revealed this morning. And, and really our goal is to see what Jesus wanted to reveal. But more specifically, we want to see what was Jesus' desired intent. What did he want his audience to take away with this parable? And, and then from that, what does it mean for our lives? Why, why would we even take some time to look at this passage this morning? And so we're at the parable, the parable of the weeds um, the parable of the wheat and the tares has got quite a few names, but verse 24 of Matthew chapter 13. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while, but, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. 
When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came, and came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good, good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling up, pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, and then gather the wheat and bring it into the barn. Yes, okay, I read that. Mystery solved. Okay, okay, that's the mystery of the kingdom of heaven, right? This is talking about this church right here, or any other church, Berean Bible Church. And we have good people in here, and we have bad people. I'm not going to say which side or, or where you are, but this is about Berean Bible Church. Good and bad people here. And what we need to do is get the elders together, call Pastor Jim up, because when we see the bad people, we need to p- tie them into bundles and set them on fire, because this is a passage about church discipline, right? This is, what, this is what we're talking about, right? The mystery is revealed. I just revealed it to you, right? No, not at all. That is not the mystery that we're talking about here. And so I'm, I'm trying to make a point that when we read a passage like this, we can't go into it like, like I would maybe want to go into it and say, this is what I feel it says and this is my truth. Because that is too common for everyone today. You go out there and you talk to people and, and you know, what is truth for you? And, and, and it's just their truth, whatever they want to make it. And so I could try to, try to read my perspective of church discipline into this passage and come up with a reality and a teaching that Jesus never intended right here. Now, there may be parallels that we can draw from this for church discipline. That's right. But really what I hope we can see here, and when we open the parables and any teachings that we see in the Bible, is that we're finding the correct, the intended message that Jesus was trying to bring across. So this parable um, really has been perhaps one of the Uh, most misused because of the belief that it deals with the mixture of good and evil in the church. But it's really not a parable about church discipline and how to deal with that. It is not the mystery of church discipline. There's something else that Jesus is going at in this passage. And so we need to really be careful with this popular idea of, of what does it mean to you? That's your truth. Make it your truth. Because there is a reality here that isn't just what, what I think it is. It's what he is really saying. And so what we're here to do is, is to see what Jesus wanted to communicate to his audience. And so when we look at this passage, we really need to think about the context. Hopefully you, most of you have some background because you've been studying through the book of Matthew this summer. Um, but we know, and if you, you were to read earlier, we think of who Jesus is talking to. His ministry up to this point, and Matthew is really can be divided, divided into like five discourses. And this is part of the third one where he's coming and he's been talking only to Jews or almost entirely to the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, teaching them. And so for us to take this passage and say, you know, this is a message for the church, the body of Christ today, not the nation of Israel, would be to, to skew it and to turn it around where it shouldn't be. So this is, this is not really a message of church discipline and how we should judge people and bring them together. That's not what we're going at here. The parable most definitely is about mixed character of the church, of there being righteous and, and evil people coexisting in the world. But when we study something, we need to analyze it and make sure that we're finding the, the, the real meaning and take caution in order to avoid formulating uh, our meanings that really aren't relevant to Jesus' teachings. 
And so again, my feelings about the interpretation about what is happening here, about reading in Berean Bible Church, this is not correct. But fortunately for us, we can continue looking at this passage where the disciples ask questions. Fortunately for us, they had questions in their minds and they weren't too scared to say, you know, Jesus, could you explain that to me? And so Jesus gives a couple verses on past this. In verse uh, 36, we have Jesus' explanation of this mystery here. And so uh, forget about my uh, revelation of that mystery. There's, Jesus is going to tell us the real deal here in uh, verse 36. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the, of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will weed out of His kingdom everything that causes sin and who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. So if you were a disciple, or if I were a disciple, I'd go, Great, Jesus, that's it. That's the explanation. But what does that mean? Really, okay, and, and really you might want to take some time to like draw a, a graph and put, okay, the, the, the person that sows the wheat is the Son of Man. You, you kind of need to look at them parallel to each other because he gives you all of these, and, and I'm still like, okay, so what does that mean? What's the message here? I, I, I kind of understand where they go. But what does that mean for them? And what does that mean for us? And remember, again, a parable is like a snapshot. It's a picture. It's a small part. So when Jesus says the kingdom, of, the kingdom has become like, the kingdom is like the whole process of this parable. And it's really only one snapshot, only one picture of the kingdom of heaven. It's not the complete picture of the kingdom. So we need to be careful because this whole chapter is really about the kingdom of heaven. And this only gives us one aspect. So remember... It's part of the mysteries of the kingdom, not the whole encompassing picture. So let's look at it in a little bit more detail in order to understand the historical background. So again, the setting, we talked about who, who he was talking to. He's talking to the nation of Israel, people here. But also, we need to look at their context, where these people are coming from, and, and the tangibility of the agriculture. So Jesus is talking to the nation of Israel, to the Israelite people. And these are lower class people, mostly. They're farmers, and so common, very common for rabbis um, is to use all of these farming um, ideas, all of these illustrations, so that you could understand a point. And now you might even ask, so what is, what's the tangibility of this actually happening? What did, would this actually happen? I did some research, and I found that there are Roman laws that were made during this time and even earlier that prohibited someone from sowing weeds into someone else's field. There was a huge punishment, and I don't remember what it was. Too bad. Um, but for them to actually go out and do that. So these people would have known this, this could have happened. And maybe they're thinking when Jesus is telling them this story, oh, yeah, that happened to, to Billy over in, you know, sector four. That happened to his field. And so this is a parable that Jesus is telling them. And I think that most of the people would have grasped, okay, 
this is almost more of an agricultural lesson than a lesson about the kingdom of heaven at all. So the people are like, all right, this really happened. Someone would sow wheat, and I've seen it happening before. I heard about it happening to someone. And if only Billy knew that he should have waited for the harvest, then he could have separated them, then he wouldn't have lost his crop. So most of the people, because it hasn't been revealed to them, except to the, to, um, the disciples, would have thought this more of an agricultural lesson. But the interesting thing to note here, in, in verse, verse 24, Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like the man who sowed good, good seed in his field. Central to understanding this would be their understanding of the kingdom, and it, and it was really way over their head. Um, and I need to go back, and we need to look at our scripture reading. In Matthew chapter 13, um, let's look at, look at verse 11. He's telling the, the disciples here, He replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. So the disciples get this understanding. They understand what he's talking about. Or maybe they have at least questions and he gives them the answer. But the people, it would have been way over their head. They could have taken this as an agricultural lesson more than anything else. And the neat thing here is that we also get a picture of what is going on. Jesus spoke to them in verse 13, 13, 13. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not They do not hear or understand. So the people don't understand. But the neat thing is the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven were revealed to the disciples. So they get the interpretation from Jesus. But even cooler than that, even more interesting than that, is that we have the word of God in our hands today. We have his parable as being told to the people, and that's all they got. And then we have the interpretation written down by one of the disciples, so that we can also have a picture, a snapshot into the kingdom of heaven. And for me, you know, how, how cool is that to get that picture um, of the kingdom of heaven? But you know what? The deciding factor of the context here, the people, if they're thinking about the kingdom of heaven, and Jesus telling them this story, and if they wanted to take it deeper than that, when Jesus talked about the kingdom and for the nation of Israel to understand the kingdom, there was a lot more that went with this kingdom, this little kingdom. There were great expectations for them because the people of Israel were awaiting a day when a Messiah would arrive, would come with power and authority to crush their oppressors and to turn it around so that they would have the authority, they would have the power, they would be God's people. They were really waiting for someone like King David or King Solomon. And so when Jesus came and told them this message, the the, the mysteries of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, they weren't ready for this. They were expecting something entirely different. And so I could, they they most likely, the crowd that was there, took this as an agricultural lesson and thought, if that ever happens to me, I'll wait for them to both harvest together, and then I'll separate them and I'll have my wheat. But there's so much more to this. And I think the main message here as we read it and and see and what Jesus has shared today, is that the kingdom can be observed as being present with the presence of evil. Think about that. Think about the message. Jesus Christ comes to to share about the kingdom of God. And there's going to be future implications for that for the nation of Israel. But the message he's saying here is, even though I'm going to bring in my kingdom... And Mike, we're going to have this reign in the future. Israelites going to be, be the ones in charge. There is still going to be evil present during this time. And I think that is the main message of what Jesus is going for here. So the disciples are the only ones that really get this spiritual direction, this spiritual um, 
Like it says in, in verse 11, that the, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. The disciples are really the only ones that get that and can anticipate the ramifications of what it's talking about in, in the interpretation, talking about the consummation or the end of the age. And really our privilege is to see that we get a message from Jesus and we get the interpretation of a parable that is quite difficult to understand. And so remember, this parable is not a complete picture of the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. No parable is a complete picture. But it does emphasize the presence of the kingdom, of it having evil within that kingdom, and that there will be judgment. And that's another thing that's hard for for us to read, I think, today. We read this judgment. They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This kind of idea is not something that's popular today. Because when you come in the doors of a church, you you feel like you're already getting judged. You know, this guy's looking over his shoulder at me and, and he can see right through me and what I did, you know. Our culture does not like to judge people. No one wants to feel judged. But think about this. Without judgment, there is no need for salvation. Without judgment, there is no need for salvation. Because if there were no laws, if there were no judges out here in our land, in the United States of America, you could go out and do whatever you wanted. So if there was no judgment, there is no need for salvation. And so this judgment is a key factor in all of the teachings of Jesus. And it's something that will still happen for the nation of Israel. And if you look back on the nation of Israel, they were told to follow, follow God, only one God. And if they followed Him, there would be, they would have blessings. But if they neglected to follow them, they would have curses and judgment. And that was how they, that was how they lived. And so... Jesus ends his teaching here, talking about judgment, revealing this to the disciples. And he closes it with, He who has ears, let him hear. This challenge, he who has ears, let him hear, is more than just that, you know, okay, yeah, you have ears, duh, you can hear, right? It's a lot more than that. This is a challenge and it's a call for the listeners, the disciples, to have discernment, make a decision, and have right living. Those three things are what you listen to his interpretation. You listen and understand what it's saying. And you should respond by having discernment, making a decision, and living in a right way. And so if we understand that this parable is meant to give us just a small picture of the kingdom of heaven, or even part of what the kingdom of God is like, his overarching rule, then we need to ask ourselves, what does it mean for our lives? Why, why are you telling me this today, Caleb? You know, you didn't have to come from Michigan to say, this parable talks about there being good and evil in the world, and there's going to be good and evil in the future kingdom of, 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 uh, for the Israelites. You didn't have to come this far to tell me that. You didn't even have to come this far to tell me that I should be good and should live in a different way, because I already know that. But what, so what can we do with this passage today? I think, it's, I think it's to bring it to a reality for ourselves. To understand that evil is something that we live with and that we have to deal with in our lives. And here, here's, here's the tricky part. Maybe one of the reasons why I was hesitant to speak on this, this verse. Each one of us here has the capacity to live like wheat or to live like weeds. Now, don't get me wrong. This is a passage, and I've said it already too many times. This is a passage that was for the nation of Israel. 
They are the wheat. They are the, let me read it here. They are the, the seeds stand for the sons of the kingdom. That is the nation of Israel. That is not directly to us. But that doesn't mean that we, can, we cannot live in a right way. We should live as wheat, even though we are surrounded by weeds. So I'm convinced that we can live like wheat or weeds under God's universal reign. Under the universal reign of God that is happening even right now. So we see undoubtedly that there is evil around us. Both now and in the future. So we can decide to join in or to stand firm even though we are surrounded by weeds. So I want to read this last, the second to last verse here in verse 43. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. What if you and I went out from here, went out from this corner in a similar fashion to this verse, in a similar fashion to those who were the wheat in this story, lived as the righteous in this parable, and we go forth and we shine like the sun in the universal kingdom of God. Now you may not like that parable, and I may be trying to push it too far and considering us wheat because we're not the nation of Israel. And I understand that. But look at this verse, and it's in your bulletin. Something very similar. Philippians 2, 14 through 16 says, Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation, in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. Pretty similar message written from the Apostle Paul for us, for the body of Christ today. So whether you like the idea of sun and wheat or shining forth as stars, it's something that we should be doing in our daily life. So how can we make it more tangible? Because shining forth like the sun or the stars is is really hard for me to do on a daily basis. It's the idea, right? But how can we make that more tangible for our lives? And I think it's asking ourselves, how can we as Christians live being raised in a world, in an environment where we are, in fact, surrounded by evil? Where we live in a, a crooked and depraved generation? How can we live? And I think that, you know, we go out from here, and we don't only run into evil people. There are a lot of good people out there that don't know the message of Jesus Christ and Him coming to this earth for us and dying on the cross for us. But the decisive factor in our lives is whether we live out shining forth as stars and we see throughout the Pauline works and through even Jesus' life, we demonstrate that by our fruit. And I want to push this a little farther, and I'm telling you on a caution because this is not necessarily what this, what this passage says here. But there's this classic example of this wheat here. And one of the scholars pointed it out, and I'd like to share it with you. A lot of scholars disagree with him, with him and say that this is not what the message is saying. But there's the Greek word for the wheat here. The wheat and the weeds. And he did an analysis of it. And um, he says that the weed, the, the Greek word translated from the, for the weeds, is darnel weed. I don't know if you know anything about farming. I have no idea what that means. But, but basically what it means is that the darnel grows up with the wheat altogether. You know? So if this was the weed that was sowed with the wheat, it looks almost identical. It's virtually undistinguishable until the time of harvest. Because at the time of harvest, you can tell the fruit of the wheat and distinguish it from the darnel. 
Now, he's taking one Greek word and making a lot of assumptions there that that's what Jesus meant. And so I want to give you a caution there. But it's great for application. Because if we grow up as wheat, living and shining forth like the sun or like the stars, the distinguishing factor is when we actually bear fruit as Christians. That is what's going to tell us apart from everyone else who's just living a good life. And so throughout the Bible we see that part of being a Christian, part of living the Christian life is bearing fruit. So the message of this this parable, I believe, and I'm convinced after studying it a great deal, is that Jesus is trying to communicate that we can live righteously. The nation of Israel should live righteously even though there is evil presence in the world then and in the future kingdom. I think that's a reality for us today too. So more specifically... To the time that we live, I brought another passage, and maybe I could have spent more time on this passage that is written for us. But then again, I wanted to continue with what you guys are studying. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6, we see a very similar message from the Apostle Paul about how we should live in these days. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists of in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is the light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Very similar passage. Very similar message that we find in the, in, in the writings of the Apostle Paul for us today, for Berean Bible Church. That we can be careful how we live, that we can live in light and shine forth that light. That we can take caution about living around the darkness, the weeds if you'd like, And then that we take advantage of every opportunity because the days are in fact evil. So we are privileged to receive such blessings from God, the blessing of His Word, the blessing of the teachings of Jesus, to be able to learn more about Him, to be able to learn and look at His interpretation and see what it really means for them during that time and how we can bring it to our lives. And I think we need to catch the vision that God will continue to work out His will and His purpose both on the earth right now and His future kingdom with the nation of Israel. And so we have the, the mystery of the wheat. It's kind of been revealed to you this morning. I hope you'll take it home and, and I, I would imagine that I'm going to get kicked back into internship mode because I'm going to have to come in and vacuum all this place up because it made a mess. <laughs> but if you would just take this 
Put it somewhere you can break it, you know, shorter. Put it somewhere where you see it this week. And remember, if you don't like the wheat, you know, just find a, cut out a star or something. You know, shine forth the stars. But just remember this wheat. And that was, that was the challenge to, even though we're in an evil world, surrounded by wheat, I mean weeds, to live like the wheat, to shine forth in righteousness, like the sun or like the stars. And so I think, you know, we should talk about the kingdom of God. We should see what his message is for that. And so as the worship team comes up, um, I think that we can even appropriately sing songs like Seek Ye First, the Kingdom of God. And so I want to just thank you for this message um, that I could share with you today, this opportunity, and just encourage you to really live forth um, as the wheat, if you will. Caleb's going to come and close in prayer. Yes, and uh, you still call me sir. Always. I thought we got over that. <laughs> Let's close in prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you that uh, we can sing a worship to you and, and, and seek first uh, your kingdom, Lord. And I just pray that as we uh, live our lives, we would work out uh, what you mean by that, what you have revealed uh, in your word through Jesus' teachings and uh, through throughout your entire uh, word. Lord, I just thank you for um, the challenge that we find in Scripture to live forth as light, to shine, and, and to live in, in good deeds. And Father, I just pray that we could uh, live forth and, and be that example this week, and just to remember to live in righteousness and uh, to serve others and, and share and uh, live live out our example of Jesus Christ living in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Caleb, for being with us today and sharing God's word. And he referred to our Bible reading, and there's a yellow uh, page in the back there in the narthex. And if you'd like to read, we're actually reading through the entire New Testament. Not, okay. We actually are further along than you thought we were. All right. We, we just didn't start in Matthew. Got but uh, So next week, there's the uh, section for the next week you can read, and we'll be preaching on... God bless you. Thanks for coming today. And uh, go and serve the Lord with joy and gladness this week. Caleb, Mary, why don't you come on down so we can greet you guys in back. Okay?